Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Whatever we say, whatever we do, as we live that, our lifestyle is going to look so good that people will stop us and say, how do you live like that? I want peace. I want joy. How do you do that? And we're going to say to them, well, because we have a great God. See, our lifestyle, if it's fruitful, causes people to say, I want what you have. Our lives, all of us, have ups and downs. We get a promotion at work. We get laid off from work. The Bible makes it clear that everyone will have highs and lows in life. There should be a difference between the world and the Christ follower and how these things are viewed and handled. Unfortunately, too often we Christians don't deal with life much differently than the unbelieving world. Pastor Mark is teaching about the resources we have as Christ followers. God has made his power and wisdom available to those who are in his kingdom. We just need to make use of it. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of this broadcast. Now here's Pastor Mark in Philippians chapter 1 with his continuing study called Pray This Prayer for Me. He said, well, my wife goes to church. Once in a while, she'll take the kids. Most of the time, she just goes with her mom. I said, what? You don't go to church? He said, they'll drag me a few times a year, but I really don't go. He said, the reason I don't go is when I started going with her, all they would talk about was money in church. Every week, here's your envelope, give your money, whatever. And I'm not talking against the church today, so it could be any church. Just relax. Then he said this. You know, I was raised going eight years of religious training. So you already know he's raised a Catholic all these years. Could happen in our church here, just the same thing. He says, and I got kind of all I needed in those eight years. So what does that tell me about him? What does that tell you about him right now? Well, it tells me this, that he knows a lot about God. He knows rules, regulations, and rituals. But he doesn't know anything about a personal relationship with God. See, he's disconnected between this and how to live life in his everyday life. He has no idea that the Bible, although he studied it for eight years, for sure they do, he has no idea that this is connected to how he's to be a dad, a business person, a person in the environment, all the areas. He's totally disconnected. So I know where he's at. I can understand this. And so... I just began talking to him. I said, well, you know, you can come to our church, and we're certainly not a perfect church, but I teach the Bible for an hour. And he says, well, 
what do you mean for an hour? What, what do you do? I said, well, we just go through a book. Right now we're going through Philippians. And we'll just talk about it and give practical application for everyday life. That's how we do all of these things to our real lives. And then he made this great statement. He said, but the Bible isn't that big a book. <laughs> and he said, and I had to maintain his faith. He said, once you've taught it, what else is left? <laughs> so what does that tell me? He's thinking this is like the latest novel. You read it once, you kind of got the key thing, give me a new one. And I said, no, you don't understand. This book is alive. I'll spend my whole life going through it and still not get it all. It's cram full of good stuff. And he didn't get it at all. Many of you here today don't get it at all. See, it isn't a Bible study that once I do 12 of them, I've graduated. It's living. It's active. You can't ever accomplish all that's written here. So we talked a little more, and I just simply said this. I know you're basically a good man, moral man, whatever. But I said, you know what? I, I did it very kindly. You're clueless about how to really do life. And you're clueless about a personal relationship with God. It's not religion. And I said to him, you know, we're getting near Father's Day. Basically, you're to be the spiritual leader of your home. And he said, well, my wife is. And I said, that's all right, but that's not what God wants. You're to be the spiritual leader. And I said, beside that, you're to be the role model for your kids. Your kids are going to learn who God is by looking at you. And he said, well, to be honest with you, I'm going to let my kids decide what to do with God and religion when they get old enough. Very common statement. And I said, well, that's the problem. It's not about God and religion. It's about a relationship with God. And so I said to him, you know, I'm not here to talk to you about dead religion. God designed you to lead your family. You are to be the spiritual leader of your family. And I do know that you can do it, but right now you're clueless as how to do it. So I challenged him. Remember the other church that was in town, the Christian church? Uh, he's actually one that mentioned it first. I said, go to that church. The one that's jammed. The guy that I knew, the pastor that I knew. Great church. Great teacher of the word. You go there and you start listening. You will discover what I'm talking about. You can have a relationship with God and it will affect you being a dad, a husband, a businessman, in every area of your life. And then I just said to him as I'm sitting here, we didn't sit here by accident. God loves you. He wants to spend eternity with you. If you can't get it from that church, get online. Email me. And I've been praying for he and the Jewish men. Now, let me ask you. I could have spent that time being quiet. But God put me there for a reason. How about you? God put you there for a reason. In the circumstances where you're at, look for an open door. Last night, we were out to dinner with some friends after service. We had a local Thai restaurant over here in the area. We're getting ready to leave. And one of the gals from the restaurant said, by the way, your bill has been picked up. I said, what do you mean my bill's been picked up? She said, well, there's a friend that was here a few weeks ago, like two months ago when we were there. 
And she was eating. You don't know her. But she said to me, the next time you see that guy come in, you save his bill. I'll pay for it. He's my pastor. And then she said, not only that, she said to fix this for you. So I got a doggy bag to take home. And I said to her, where do you go to church? Is that an open door? That's an open door. And she said, well, I don't because I work basically seven days a week. And then one of the other gals that was with us said, well, we have an 830 service. Really? And she said, maybe I'll come with my friend. I said, no, not maybe. You do come with your friend. We'd love to see him. My wife chimed in. And we talked to her a little bit. Now, see, understand, that was simple, but that's an open door. Did that happen by accident? No, it did not. So, if you want to be used by God, go to any restaurant around here and just give them my picture. (laughs) Kind of tell me where you're going. And we'll just have fun. We'll have food forever. And I'll witness for you. How's that? In Orlando? I'll come to Orlando. Give me a good place. That's good. Nah, you know better than that. By the way, I said to her, well, what's her name? Who is it? Who is this? And she says, she doesn't want you to know. That's fruit for the kingdom of God. Do you understand what I'm saying? So we have to be witnessing. We have to be sharing because people simply need the Lord. Now, there's only three kinds of fruit remaining. Good works. You just saw one giving to people, being generous, financial giving, doing things with their tithes and offerings and the fruit of praise from Hebrews chapter 13. And that is all shown by this quickly. This is what you do. The other three kinds of fruit fall into this. Contribute your time and your passion and your talents, and your possessions. All those other things fit in together. Now, go back to Philippians chapter 1, verse 11. Why do I want to be fruitful in these five areas? Look what it says in Philippians chapter 1. Fill with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. What does it mean... To bring glory to God. I used to struggle with that a lot. Recently, I heard a pastor say this, and it just rang a bell. Write this down. Glory of God. It's simply to make God look good. I love it. Psalms 19 says, the heavens declare the glory of God. In other words, when you look at the sky at night, you go, what a great God. That's making God look good. Well, where do I want to make God look good? 1 Corinthians 10, 31. So whether you eat or drink, or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Whatever we say, whatever we do, as we live that, our lifestyle is going to look so good That people will stop us and say, how do you live like that? I want peace. I want joy. How do you do that? And we're going to say to them, well, because we have a great God. See, our lifestyle, if it's fruitful, causes people to say, I want what you have. And what do I have? I'm abiding. I'm simply abiding. And from that comes full life. 
and I'm reaching the potential God wants. It's not complicated. In every area of your life, making God look good. How you doing? I do really good. There's a few exceptions. One's on the golf course. You play with me? I don't make God look very good on the golf course. I'm just kidding. Well, not kidding, but it has nothing to do with God. How are you doing this morning? You see, the nation of Israel in the Old Testament, do you know why one of the main reasons God blessed the whole nation of Israel? Because the nation of Israel had all pagan nations around them everywhere. And what God wanted those nations to do is, when they saw God blessing, giving victories, they wanted those pagan nations to go, I want that God. That's the God we sang about this morning in our song. I want that God. You see, as you and I are fruitful, people are going to say, I want your God. That makes God look good. That's what I want. That's what you want in your life. You say, well, Pastor Mark, can you prove it? I can. Look at John 15, 8. Look at it. This is to my Father's glory. Jesus says, Here, here's how to make God look good. That you bear much fruit. That you bear much fruit. Showing yourselves to me, my disciples. Showing yourselves that you're abiding in the vine. How do I reach God's potential? I make him look good by being fruitful in those areas. So what's the prayer that we should pray? Here it is. Write it down. Pray that Mark, or whoever you're going to put in there, would grow in making God look good. That we would make God simply look good. I'm not going to put these next two verses on the overhead, but let me just speak them to you. One day Jesus said this early on in his ministry. I do everything that God asks me to do to please him. But I want you to see this last verse, John 17, 4. Then Jesus, just before he dies, notice what he says. Speaking to his father, I have brought you glory on earth. Jesus says to the father, I made you look good. How? By completing the work you gave me to do. When I die, and there's a little urn up here with ashes, I'd love that statement in front of that. That Pastor Mark made God look good by completing the work that God had for me to do. Now, I can't complete it by myself, but I want to complete it. That's reaching God's potential. You want the same, don't you? We all want it. And I can't do it unless I'm abiding. And if abiding, I will bear fruit. Because the Spirit of God is alive in me. I will reach that potential. Well, why does Paul pray for them to be fruitful and look good? Look back at verse 10, the last part. We see the answer. Paul says this, Live this lifestyle until the day 
of Christ. And what does that mean? That refers to the end time, to the rapture and the judgment seat of Christ. Every person is going to die. If you're a Christian, a Christ follower, after you die, you will appear at a judgment called the judgment seat of Christ. And I'm going to give an account for my life, how effective I was, what my motives were. If you're a non-believer and you die without salvation, you will appear at another judgment. We'll look at that in a moment, the great white throne judgment. So everybody here is going to appear at one of two judgments. Now, when you appear at that judgment, there's not going to be any change. I will, if I'm a Christian, I will appear at this judgment. And I won't be judged for my sins. Those were judged on the cross. But you will appear, if you don't accept Jesus Christ, you will be judged for one thing, that you refuse to accept Jesus. But there's degrees of blessing and there's degrees of punishment. Hell forever, heaven forever, but degrees. So Paul says, I want you to live this way until either the rapture, when God comes and takes us all home, or you die. You be faithful. You be without wax. You be real. You be fruitful. Well, why? Write these words down. Because it's the principle of personal, spiritual accountability. You see, everything I do here, I'm going to be held accountable by God. Not by man, by God. And it's going to be a review of my life. It's going to be a review of your life. That's what's going to happen. How do I know that's going to happen? None of us really like that word accountability. Romans 14, 10 and 12. For we will all stand, speaking we about Christians, before God's judgment seat. So then, here's the key, each of us will give an account of himself to God. So every person at death will be accountable for how they lived. Nothing hidden from our all-knowing God. No excuses will be allowed. I want you to turn to one more passage and we're through today. 2 Corinthians 5.10. 2 Corinthians, you see where it is, 5.10. Now, as you and I look at this verse, let me explain something to you. When you get there, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10. Again, this is for Christians. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one of us may receive what is due him or her for the things done while in the body. Notice here, whether good or bad. Now remember, this has nothing to do with our sins. This focuses on our faithfulness and our motives. There will be degrees of reward. So why is Paul praying this? He wants them to reach their full potential so when they stand before God, they'll not only have a full life here on earth, but when they stand before God, they'll hear these words, well done, good and faithful servant. You were fruitful. You see, it is possible to have a saved soul But a wasted life, what a disaster. All these years attached, no fruit. 1 Corinthians 3, we don't have time this morning, says if I do things with the wrong motive and all that, all the stuff that I did just burned up. It's all burned up. You say, well, Pastor Mark, that's all I really care to do, just to slide into heaven, just go in heaven. That's horrible. You don't want to do that. I don't want to do that. I know you don't want to do that. 
So I will be judged. Listen to this. I want you to write this down, and we're done. Present-day actions have eternal consequences. What I'm doing today, payday doesn't always come tomorrow. Payday will come. Present-day actions have eternal consequences. So as a Christ follower, I want to abide. I want to be fruitful. I want to be growing. That's the prayer that Paul's praying. You pray that for one another. You pray that for yourself. Go back and look at those five kinds of fruit and ask yourself, how are you doing? Now, there's another judgment. This was the judgment for Christians. It's not about sin. There's another judgment. It's found in the book of Revelation. If you go to the book of Revelation, you'll see this next verse, and it simply says this. If anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he, she, was thrown into the lake of fire. Lake of fire simply hell. Look at me. All of us started the same as unbelievers. There had to be a day that I chose Jesus Christ to take care of my sin, which he did on the cross. When he did that, my name was written in this book of life in heaven. I'm going to go to heaven. We sang it earlier, God's grace. God's grace. After that time, I want to be fruitful. But people who are here, God gives a choice to ask to repent of your sin and believe on him. He who has the son has life. He who doesn't have the son doesn't have life. Remember, Jesus said, I'm the true vine. I'm the only true vine. You can't get to heaven without Jesus. So you refuse to do that. Then it says your name is not in the book of life. That will happen at that judgment. And your destiny? Hell forever. There is a real heaven and there is a real hell. There is a real God and there is a real Satan. And the choice you make today determines eternal destiny. God loves you. He sent his son to die for you so that you could spend eternity in heaven. I want you to look at me for one moment. Christian, how you doing? Be fruitful. Be productive. Be reaching God's potential. That's where the joy of life is. Can't do it on your own. You do it through the strength of God who lives in you. Some of you are here, and you're like that plant that I talked to you about earlier. You're just hanging on. God can restore that in an instant. You're backslidden. You're away from God. You need to make a recommitment. And I want you to do it this morning. Then some of you are like this. Without him, spiritually, nothing. How do you get attached? By repenting, which simply means you're sorry for your sins, and you ask Jesus to forgive you and come and live inside you. The minute you do that, your sins are forgiven. You begin a relationship of joy and peace. Heaven is guaranteed, and you will be at this judgment. The end result is heaven. It doesn't get any better than that. But you must do it today. Pastor Mark has been encouraging us to pick someone as an object of the prayers he's given us to pray. In the same way the Apostle Paul prayed for those to whom he wrote his epistles, we should select someone to pray God's blessing upon. In addition, we should be asking God to work in our own lives to cause us to become more in character like Jesus. 
We know social media is a big part of everyone's lives, and it's a great way to stay connected with each other. We'd like to add a little bit of joy and Jesus to your Facebook and Twitter pages, so come like and follow us. You'll be able to keep up to date with all the latest information about Pastor Mark, the Ministry of Lessons for Living, and the church behind it, Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. Visit LessonsForLivingRadio.com and follow the links to connect. That's LessonsForLivingRadio.com. This completes the teaching, Pray This Prayer for Me. Next time, Pastor Mark will begin his teaching, Life Happens. He'll be sharing about how we as Christ followers should handle the inevitable downs of life that happen. We'll be encouraged to understand what Jesus meant when he said that he had overcome the world and how we can apply that to our own lives. You've been listening to Lessons for Living with Pastor Mark Balmer of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. Please join us again here on Lessons for Living, and together, let's do life right. In a hurting world, a new hope he is given.